0: Get ready, it's time for Motorsports Madness, powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Jacob Seelman.
1: Well, a special Tuesday edition of Motorsports Madness kicks off. We are happy to have you aboard with us. Of course, Monday being a holiday, we... uh, are doing a special edition tonight, two hours, and the same cast and characters, or characters, I don't know about cast, but we're definitely characters. And we're excited about tonight's show. Tom Baker with you, along with uh, Ryan Vargas, joining us in the studio, NASCAR K&M Pro Series East and slash NASCAR Next racer, or rookie, I should say. Um, He's got a rookie stripe on the back of his shirt there. Uh, And then uh, we've got Francisco Scaramuza, because I feel like being formal tonight, uh, joining us via the Race Chaser Skype line as well, and and Jacob Seelman uh, behind the glass as well, producing, and you'll be hearing from him. We have got a big show for you, all kinds of stuff to talk about. Of course, NASCAR with a couple of big races over the weekend. We had the Indy Five Hundred, we had the Monaco Grand Prix. We just absolutely are full of things to talk about. The world of Outlaws ran the Outlaw Showdown at Charlotte Motor Speedway's dirt track. And we also have uh, a little bit of ARCA information we can pass along. Course ARCA ran their uh, General Tire 150 at Charlotte Motor Speedway this past, uh, th- well, it was Thursday night because it, it was, was
2: some night. sort of a day. And then.
1: Uh,
3: there. Hey, the,
2: good news, the good news is that all of a sudden, I can be heard finally. Well, this that's a, good. This is progress. I, I kept punching buttons until something finally worked.
1: Well, that's uh, always a good thing to do. So with that, I think we actually can jump into the heart of the matter, shall we say. And of course... Uh, I think the big story out of Charlotte over the weekend was, well, Kyle Busch, but for an entirely different reason than it was the weekend previous. H- hang
2: on a minute. Hang on a minute. Wait, Kyle Busch is making headlines? What? Hang on while I act surprised. Okay, yeah, I'm uh,
1: because Kyle basically stomped the field into the weeds on Sunday in the Coca-Cola 600. It was very reminiscent of martin truex and his performance he didn't do it quite as good as truex did he tried
2: but he didn't do it quite as good as truex did it
1: was hard to really tell the difference to be honest because it was never a moment where i felt like kyle bush wasn't going to win the race unless he broke uh or had some sort of unfortunate bad luck or a pit mistake but you know it, it still uh is amazing jacob that uh you know in an era when these cars are supposed to be equal, and we even have this $350,000 uh, tech in the infield to help equalize the cars. We now have uh, a situation where we've got two drivers who have won almost all of the races. So I don't know really what's, uh, what's going on with this, but boy, Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch are dominating in an era when that shouldn't be able to happen.
2: Hey, now that I fixed everything, can I have my show back?
1: Um, Maybe.
2: Maybe? Yeah.
1: (laughs) We'll give it to you for now and see how you do.
2: All right. Well, here's the deal. They're 9 of 13 right now, which is shocking to say the least. And I think they would have been 9 of 13 either way. We don't know exactly what Kevin Harvick would have done had Kevin Harvick not cut a left front tire and... Destroyed the wall in turn three on lap 87, but, you know, at least it was somebody that wasn't the four car for a change. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, As it is, yeah, Kyle Busch leading 377 of 400 laps. Uh, Reminder that Martin Truex led 392 of 400 two years ago. So in the last three years, we have seen the two most dominant performances in Coca-Cola 600 history. Here is my two cents, though, and the stat that I was looking at Sunday night after the race was over. The number of on-track passes for the lead in the All-Star race was double, double what... There was in the Coke 600. Now, granted, that includes green flag pit stop passes for the lead. If you only include on track passes for the lead, there was a whopping two. That's pitiful. I'm sorry. Marcus Smith was right last saturday night after the all-star race they should have thrown the current package out they should have kept the cars like they were for a million bucks and we should have run it in the 600 and by god everybody would have been happy but unfortunately i guess cisco not everybody gets what they want especially if you're me wanting oh wait real racing
4: Yes, but as I'm sure Tom and I will go and respond, I don't think the answer is pulling the package that they had in the All-Star Race for a variety of reasons, which if you've been on Twitter basically at any point in the last week, you'll have seen the giant war that is going on. And basically the argument of a show versus a race kind of is what I boil it down to, you know, the show package of putting the plates on the cars and everybody going mad at Charlotte. That's one thing. On the other hand, having an organic race like what we saw here. Sometimes this happens, but I mean, keep in mind, you know, people wanted racing back from the eighties. This felt like a race back from the eighties because one guy nearly lapped the whole field.
1: Well, but okay, hold on. I'm going to, um, I, I, I'm going to just make a point here. And I'll let Ryan jump into the middle of this. If he wants to, um, but, Here's the deal. First of all, the only war going on on Twitter is how many more times we can put in the package from the All-Star Race. Now, ding, ding, ding. with that being said, there's no way that that would have either been practical nor should it have been done. Because while we all love the idea that maybe we could could have gotten the equivalent of the All-Star Race for 600 miles, we do have to remember that there was one driver who in the last 10 laps of that all-star race, not only took the lead, but just checked out and left. And his name was Kevin Harvick. Now I'm not going to violate any confidences, but I found out last night exactly why that, that occurred. And it was because the four team was intelligent enough to, to do something a little bit different with their setup for this particular all-star race based on that package than what any of the other teams did. Now, do I think we could race the package again at some point this year? Well, if everybody's on board, maybe. Um, but that hasn't happened yet. Indianapolis would love for it to happen there. The president's already given given his nod. There's, there's a lot of rumors going around in the garage about maybe the second Pocono race being an opportunity or perhaps Michigan. But again, you got to get everybody on board. Now, here's my point about... The the race that was the 600, this is typical of the 600. This is now two of the last three races that have frankly been stinkers. And, you know, that there's no race in a race when you have one guy that leads 90% or more of the race. That's not a race. That's basically just nap car time. Now you had a ton of racing behind him, which to the drivers credit everybody pretty much raced each other reasonably well all night I thought Ryan but this mile and a half package is awful there and and I don't I also don't agree that there's a show and there's a race the All-Star race was in fact a race just because you limit the cars on speed doesn't make it not a race it was in fact a race yeah. But it's just not practical from a motor standpoint, especially, I think, to to um, to have kept that package for the 600 event. And I mean, exactly. I mean, I went to the all star race with one
5: with one thing. And it kind of goes along with what you said, but kind of doesn't. I went there. What come going there to watch a really exciting race to be entertained, but also watch a race? I knew that package was going to bring the field closer together and make the racing for the lead much more exciting to watch. However, is that the all, oh, this is the greatest package ever. We need to fix it. We need to put this everywhere. No, I do not think so. There's plenty of other options to go with. Here's something that I see. There's a lot of work going into these cars, making them looser, a little bit more harder to drive, which is awesome. It's almost going back to how it was back in the day, I guess you could say. But the problem is these cars, these Gen 6 cars were built, were designed for higher downforce. Now you're taking... The biggest thing that they were designed to do, and you're taking that away from, yeah, it might be helping. It might be making it a little bit more exciting to see the cars slide around the track. But, I mean, to be honest, the cars, these Gen 6 cars were not made for that.
1: Well, and you make a good point. That is that is true to a point. But the key, th- the key thing people need to remember is that the motor that they used in the All-Star Race was a mile-and-a-half motor. I mean, it, it, it was an intermediate motor with a restrictor plate what there's a lot of conversation about what they want to do or are thinking about doing is taking the same, pretty much the same package as they run in the super speedways and just incorporating it into the mile and a half. Therefore you don't have to have a whole other set of motors to run the mile and a half because then the cost goes up and you start disadvantaging teams. And so Jacob, I think really where we're at with this is, you know, all year long, it's been Kevin Harvick, Kyle Bush, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Bush, with an occasional Clint Boyer thrown in for good measure. I don't think this was any different than what we've seen all year, particularly on, on the mile and a half. So one car gets out front, dominates, and that's just the way it is. Now, what you do with that going forward, I don't necessarily think that it's rushing into the all-star package. I think you got to take your time yeah. with that a Agreed. little bit and make sure if you're going to do it, you're doing it right. And I do think it will be interesting to see what the Xfinity cars do at Pocono this weekend with this package. I think that will tell us a little bit of the story.
2: Yeah, I think we're all really excited about the Xfinity race at Pocono this weekend to see exactly, I would say, a fuller potential of this package aside from just, hey, hold it wide open and see what happens. So, Ryan, I mean, from a driver's perspective, I know obviously you haven't raced it, but in hearing what... Some of the other guys have said about how the package behaves, what they have to do, all
5: that. Are you, as a driver, are you a fan of it or no? As a driver, I mean, as a fan watching it, heck yeah, I love it. (laughs) I mean, it was, I mean, that was by far one of the best races I've seen in person ever. However, as a driver, I'm a little bit on the fence about it. I mean, you see Kyle Larson, he said he enjoyed it. And don't get me wrong, Kyle Larson is one of the best wheel man out there right now. However, I feel like that package, because of how it made the car is so bogged down and stuff like that, it made it almost less about the driver. It wasn't the best driver. It's who was the smartest driver. Who was able to make that, those well, moves? Well, because isn't
1: that part of driver strategy, though? See, exactly. I, I think it actually was more about the driver. I think, I think the package we run in the, on the, a mile and a half now is more about money and motors and speed. This wasn't. This was about driver skill and the ability to make the right decisions, the right moves at the right time. Um, and we saw one team... And again, I'm not going to say what they did because I don't get away. But there was one team that had a really good idea about what they're going to do with the setup, and that one team wasn't worth a dog on in traffic. But the minute it got out front, they were gone, and nobody was going to catch them. And so, you know, now of course, obviously, going forward, other teams will pick up on that package and some of those little quirks. And my biggest fear with this is that what we're doing is creating a temporary Band-Aid, because I think eventually we still have these Brainiac engineers that we're paying six figures yes. to, and they're going to figure out how to basically ruin the effect of this <laughs> package. Exactly, yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what Kevin said in his post-race <laughs>
2: press conference. This will work until we figure out how to break it. And I
1: got news for you. His team basically did that at the All-Star Race. That's why he drove away the way he did.
2: Well... All that said, we still have a lot more to talk about as we continue on this round of Motorsports Madness, so don't go anywhere because, trust me, we got, you're not going to want to miss the rest of this show. You're listening to Motorsports Madness live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network.
6: We'll be right back. That's 302 827 2054. Louis Weinicki Car Care Center. Rev up your career. I'm Kaz Grawlin. You're listening to Race
4: Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network.
2: Absolutely, we are going to talk about him in this segment. This segment is going to be black flags and checkered flags and, well, I'm just going to say right now and partially spoil it that Kaz Grala is involved in one half of that for me. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness. You're listening to the show live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. I'm Jacob Seelman, joined in the Race Chaser studios here in Race City, USA, Mooresville, North Carolina by both Tom Baker and Ryan Vargas also known as, uh, well, a NASCAR Nexter now. That's fun. Cisco Scaramuza joining us via the Race Chaser Skype line. And, well, we're just going to jump right into it, kids, because why not? It's my show and I say we can. So, checkered flags first and then black flags. But for me, I've already spoiled it. Period. End of discussion. I don't care who you are. My checkered flag for the entire freaking... Coca-Cola 600 Memorial NASCAR weekend was unequivocally Fury Race Cars, Kaz Grala, and that whole 61 team for absolutely doing everything with nothing. And as his father Darius said, we won. (laughs) <laughs> Abso-freaking-lutely they won. A top 10 on debut with a late model and modified builder that's not even anything close to an Xfinity team making an Xfinity team from scratch in 10 days. I love everything about this because... They defied every odd in the book to make this happen. And that, to me, was the story of this entire weekend. I don't care who you are. So there's my checkered flag. My black flag goes to the current aero package. It sucks. 392 laps out of 400 two years ago. 377 laps on Sunday night. NASCAR, you've got a problem. Fix it.
5: I I I mean with the with Kaz I mean that was I mean honestly for me that was incredible to watch yeah I mean I'm a good me and Kaz are pretty good buddies now and I mean I I talked to him before the race and he mean he was so happy I mean I've never seen you know a driver so excited just to start racing again and I mean I I don't know I mean nobody really knows what went on behind the scenes there but I mean I can only tell that Kaz was really excited to be back in a race car with a solid ride and he went out there and I mean. The entire race, it seemed like he was up there competing. I mean, he was running inside the top 10, top 15 all day. It wasn't just a, oh, he came in at the end and got that. No, he was there all he day. He was around the top 10 he all was, day. He was completely very good.
1: Yeah, he definitely overachieved. Is that your checkered flag? Yes. Okay. Who's your black flag? Uh, or or what's your black flag because jacob's like jacob likes occasionally giving his black flag to inanimate objects so i guess i'm sorry but you know what (laughs) (laughs) so that counts so so what what is your what or who is your black
5: flag well to me i guess you could say my my black flag right now is saying is this a lot of people are saying how much of a stinker the 600 was. And the 600 it was not a great race. Not even I wouldn't even call it a very fairly good race by any means. But those in the fans that were actually having a really good time. I was in the crowd and I was watching the race and you saw battles all throughout the field. I saw great battles for 5th on back. I saw great battles for top 10. I saw great battles for the top 20. There was good racing all the way through the field. Now, I mean a lot of people who aren't the couch the keyboard keyboard cowboys, they want to, you know, see that and not say, "Oh, it was a terrible race." But I was in the stands and I was pretty entertained.
1: So who are you black flagging? The fans that say it was a terrible race? He's probably black flagging me. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> because because basically at that point, you're outnumbered two to one because yeah. it was a terrible race. Um look, no, it you are correct that it was it was entertaining through through the field. You had battles. Yeah. Okay, and some of that racing was pretty darn good. But the, the fact of the matter is that we don't really, I mean, I don't, as a fan, I don't pay money to, well, the the first five are gone, so let me watch the battle for 12th. I mean, I really, you know, I could be entertained by that, but that's not really what I pay for. Yeah. And, you know, it again, I think it it accents what everything, what we saw from All-Star to the Coca-Cola 600 accents everything that's good and bad. It's like the the All-Star is what it should be. The 600 is what it shouldn't be. We've got to find the, the, the happy medium in the middle. My checkered flag, I agree with Jacob 100%. Kaz Grala gets, gets a checkered flag, and, and I would give him a bonus checkered flag that I'll I'll sort of just put aside for a little later and give it to him again when he doesn't deserve it because that's how good he ran. I mean, when you can build a car or take a team, build a team in in, in less than two weeks and come out and do what he did, basically run the race of his Xfinity Series career. So here's what I say. Kez has three uh, races left that are funded. Dear GMS Racing, (laughs) you've got openings still in the 23 car, perhaps. If there's an opportunity that doesn't conflict with a race that Kaz is running in the 61 and you need a driver for the 23, you know the boy. He won Daytona for you. Put him in the car. You give him good equipment and he will go.
2: I don't think they're going to have to worry about that. If Caz no keeps doubt. doing what he's doing, There's there ought to be sponsors knocking on the you door. You would hope. Fury race cars I'm just saying that, that boy.
1: If, if I'm GMS, it's like, holy cow. I mean, you know, Chase Elliott, notwithstanding, I don't know what other plans they have or other races they've yeah. got. That, and we don't know, obviously, what's going on with Spencer. I'm just saying there's a perfect idea if, if that's if the, if the possibility exists and Kaz doesn't isn't funded for the 61, put him in the 23 car. And let him go because that, that definitely he proved he was worthy. Now, I have to give a black flag and I'm really kind of torn with this, but I'm just going to go straight for the jugular and say I'm black flagging the, the Roush Fenway six. Because I think we have enough data right now. Number one, what we've proven here is these two teams, not only are they not equal, they're not anywhere on the same page. Ricky Stenhouse was in or just outside the top 10 most of that race the other night. The highest Matt Kenseth ever got is 18th. And we know that Matt Kenseth didn't, in his three months off this year, forget how to drive a race car. So, dear six team, get your act together. You have successfully ruined Trevor Bain's career, potentially, and you're making Matt look really, really bad. So whatever you're not doing that you need to be doing, look at what the 17's doing and do that. Whatever you got to do, for crying out loud, get that boy up front where he belongs. There, there's my black flag for the night. Okay, Cisco.
4: Uh, follow that. <laughs> uh, well, I just want to clarify. This is for the whole weekend, correct? Yes. Yes. All right. So then, my checkered flag is going to go to the entire country of Australia.
5: <laughs> yes. <laughs> because they cleaned
4: up, and if Marcus Ambrose had been in Charlotte, I am convinced that he would have won that race on fuel strategy, just to make the just to make the headlines read Australia conquers all. You know how they say if you want to win, you have to get a fin? Well, I guess if you want to party, you have to get an Aussie. So, well, that's close. I'll have to work on that one. <laughs> oh, but absolutely fantastic Man. job. And I have to I... give a huge shout-out to Daniel Ricciardo for being able to win when he was 160 horsepower down off the rest of the field. I mean, yes, Monaco is a hard track to pass at, but Daniel Ricciardo, awesome job for him. Redemption after 2016. And then willpower to finally Finally, win the Indianapolis 500 is awesome. So a great day for the, for the uh, Pacific Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more
2: about all of that coming up in the next couple of segments. And we're also going to hear, by the way, from the Coca-Cola 600 winner a little later in this show. Because I just, there are some things about Kyle Busch's reaction Sunday night that I really want to speak to coming up a little later in this program however before we go to break tom i do want to give a nod that it was me no wow let me try that again i want to give a nod that because it was memorial day weekend i think it was fitting that saturday we had somebody who not only was really 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 pushing to support the troops over the weekend he went out and won an xfinity race hi brad (laughs) keslowski
1: Okay, <clears throat> let me pause for a moment to be shocked that the 22 car won an Xfinity race at Charlotte. Okay, I'm done. Next. Yeah.
2: Sorry. I, I Look, just...
1: I, I'm happy for Brad's announcement and, and, and everything he's doing with the foundation. But there again, I mean, that is so predictable. You know? <laughs> like he just, and, and again, it wasn't. Really a great race, uh, but it was better than the 600. You know, you had at least some comers and goers and some oh, folks. Oh, and Kyle Busch wrecked himself. Know, well, well <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I mean, I'm not, I don't know that I'm applauding that as much as observing it. But yes, I mean, I just, I think that, you know, this was, this was really a tale of, you know, again, it was a cup driver dominated race. And this is what happens when you put cup drivers in the Xfinity series. The Xfinity guys just basically don't run up front. And that's pretty much how it was on Saturday. It was cup, cup and cup for most of the race because, you know, you, you had when when Bush was in the race, it was pretty much Kozlowski, Bush and um, Chase Elliott. Uh, you know, it's it just is what it is. Uh I would rather that we just have uh, a dash for cash race every week in the Xfinity series and keep it to those guys. And then, you know, I think you'd actually see better racing in that series. I think we've proven that in the four races we had this year with the dash for cashes. Huh. You mean we might be onto something here? Well, we might be on to something, but it it just, I've given up on even trying to preach because NASCAR is never going to listen.
2: Fair enough. We're going to step aside. When we return, we're going to shift gears to Open Wheel for a little while. We'll return to NASCAR later in the show. Right now, you're listening to Motorsports Madness live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network.
1: Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at HMSMotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you.
7: What an awesome game.
4: Hi, I'm Chase Cabry, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports
3: Network. Now, back to the show.
2: We're back. You're listening to Motorsports Madness, live on the Performance Motorsports Network and on Spreaker. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Ryan Vargas, our special guest co-host for the evening, and Cisco Scaramuza. And we're going to talk open-wheel racing as it sits right now and we're going to start cisco with the greatest race in the world i'm stealing that phrase from our friend joel sebastelli because well the indianapolis 500 always seems to be that every may and you mentioned it in our last segment i'm going to add to it aussie 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 will power wins the 500 at long last
4: at long last and this is one of those inevitabilities, you know. It's death, taxes, and willpower. Winning the Indy Five Hundred, I think, is how it's supposed to go. <laughs> well, but.
1: I, I mean, it's the first time he's ever won, so I, I don't yes, know. Yes, but if it it's was inevitable. going to happen eventually. Okay.
4: But absolutely fantastic job by them, and we had talked on this show previously that Penske were the first guys to figure out the new IR eighteen, and well, it showed because Penske was up front most of the day. They had several cars up there. Now, the stats obviously don't necessarily show that, but Jacob, I pointed out something during the race that I found really interesting, and I wanted to get your take on this, and it was the fact that, yes, with these new aero kits, these cars had a lot less downforce, and I noted uh, on social media during the race that three of the four like car-getting loose spins that we saw, chief among which um, the the three I looked at were... The drivers of Danica Patrick, uh who else was on there? Uh, Elio Castro Nevis and Sage Carum. All of those drivers had not driven the new car until this race. I'm wondering if those wrecks came from these guys maybe just not having enough laps in the car, I'm wondering. Perhaps. Maybe. It was just it was an interesting trend because we saw these wrecks, and yes, we've seen these kind of out of control loose wrecks before at Indianapolis this isn't a new thing but the other the other wreck that was very similar to this was at Jones and that was cuz he hit the curb and if you hit the curb at Indy well, you're done anyway. But yeah. Tony
1: Kanaan too. I mean Kanaan had the same sort but of But that was deal. in a
4: different part of the racetrack yeah, that but was if, going down the short chute. It
1: yeah. was still the same kind of a a snap loose sort of scenario I think. Uh you know I just you may be right in so far as it goes. I mean they all but they all had a month. I think the I think the heat just yeah. literally got to everybody. Well, too. And I don't yeah. mean that as in they all got foggy or dizzy or tired. I'm saying they hadn't run that package in that kind of temperature. And, you know, the track, temperature sensitive as it is, it was the hottest Indy 500 on record, I believe, uh, when it was all said and done. So, you know, they just really didn't have an answer. And so what it, what it turned into was basically – nobody really doing a whole lot of passing other than Alex Rossi who's well i mean that was <laughs> to go from I mean, 31st i think it was or 32nd to to 4th in, in the drive that he made and the cars that he passed on the outside it was kind of like well shoot if nobody else is going to do this i guess i will you know and um you know the guy's got um a set of Steel Kahuna's that uh, that that nobody else has. You know the the guy's just a beast. That was that was quite the drive for him, Cisco. And I think certainly for the first race for the new car, there's
4: definitely things they can look at. I think adding some of the downforce back may not be a bad idea. Messing with the spoiler
0: a little bit, definitely.
4: but some of the racing we had on the restarts when we saw like four by two racing at one point, two three by two stuff like that, just. On the restarts where everyone would lose their mind in the mid-pack, it was about when Elio, after Elio's crash, from there on out, everyone just seemed to lose their minds. And it was, it was, I was biting my fingernails a little bit on that one because it got kind of sketched there, Jacob.
2: Yeah, it did. I loved
4: it. It's indie, baby. Oh, it was fantastic racing, but I was just sitting there going... Please don't wreck. Please don't wreck. Please.
1: Ah! Well, it looked like some of the restarts in the 600 where they were going three wide. And, and some of the guys were getting, that's what you have to do it, is these restarts are key now, especially when you can't pass, particularly as the run gets longer. You, you make up all your spots on restarts is why you see three and four wide racing. And there were a few guys in the 600 that I thought, you know, I was waiting for them to, get some spots on a restart and they just aren't some, some are much more courageous than others (laughs) is the best way I can put it. They uh, have stronger rear
4: windows, Tom, I think is what the issue is. They have stronger rear windows than everybody else.
1: (laughs) Something like that. But uh, some of them just really – the thing I will say, you mentioned – somebody mentioned Kyle Larson off the top. The thing I will say is I don't think he spun in the All-Star Race. But in the 600, he – and it's like he he does this so often. You see the car just lose control. It's like what happens at that point? Kyle just pushes it a little too hard or something. I'm not really too sure, but, you know – I, I can't even no include Jimmy Johnson that's into this problem.
2: because Jimmy got hit.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's right.
5: And also, I yeah. mean, you see he did actually spend in the All-Star. He got – he with a little bit of assistance from uh, Legano. Oh, that's right, yeah. But, oh, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> but, I mean, I remember I was watching the race, and they, I saw the replays and stuff like that, and you actually see – I don't know what it was, but it was very odd. You see something in the rear end. The rear end actually hops. It almost looked like a Martinsville type well, incident. Well, he's been complaining
1: about that wheel hop Cisco all – Season yeah. basically,
5: yeah, and it was the weirdest thing. Like they actually showed the replay, and you see yeah. his tires hopping. Now, is that is could that be Kyle just driving it, driving driving the heck out of it? Might be. I, I mean, or something just kind of a fault in the race car. I mean, who knows, Cisco?
4: But on the on the topic of Johnson spinning and not hitting anything, is this like the five thousandth time that he's done that
1: in his career at this point? Something like that. Well, and
5: he came back to fifth.
1: Yeah. He finished fifth, but I got to tell you, Jacob, I thought it was very telling because you listened to the radio conversation between him and Chad, and you could tell that they were basically just lost. Like, they, they're they not on the same page. They don't know what Jimmy was complaining, that it just doesn't have enough speed. It just isn't fast enough, and Chad's kind of, what else do you want me to do? Tell me what you need me to do, and nobody had any answers. You know, I thought the Hendrick group as a whole ran better in the 600 than what we've seen And, of course, Jimmy finishes fifth, but it was just like they're kind of at the end of themselves here where they don't quite know how to get that last tenth, two tenths, whatever of speed that they need to go run for wins again. I'm not really too sure what to uh, make of that.
2: Well, I'm not sure what to make of that either, but we kind of got off the subject of where I wanted us to. To be.
8: How did we get sorry, back we from IndyCar back to NASCAR?
1: On, it's all Cisco's fault. Yeah, it,
2: it is Cisco's fault. Okay, just blame him. Go so, back to IndyCar. I, I do want to go back to IndyCar because in the midst of all the spinning and crashing that we had, there were two kind of sort of important ones. Cisco. One was the guy who was trying to become four-time Elio Castroneves, which I'm sad about. I'm just he had a shot to win that race. He ran top five the whole race, and just doggone it. The other one, I hate to be that guy, but I wasn't totally surprised at. Sorry, Danica fans, send your hate mail. I'll read it and throw it away because I really don't care. Oops.
5: Well, I mean, it, I, I, mean, I got to admit, I mean, like, it's, it's, I mean, it was like, as we talked about earlier, those cars were very unsteady. And it's kind of hard to say that, oh, it was just, you know, Danica's lack of experience in these indie cars recent times. I mean it i mean it could be but i mean you saw some fantastic race car drivers lose it completely lose it by themselves so i mean i mean it could have just been you know just a freak deal in my opinion
4: And I mean, we're also talking about Danica, who in at least two of the practice sessions, they didn't get a chance to make laps because when I went to go out and see her practice for the first time, they had a fuel pickup issue that she was behind the wall for two hours they had to fix. So she wasn't able to get a whole lot of practice in the car. And then later on, on carb day, they had issues where they once again had to take the hood off and mess with the engine again. So... I'm almost worried that it was a case where maybe she didn't get enough time in race practice. And I'm not talking like single lap because single lap at Indy really isn't – if you're doing race runs, that's not really going to help you. What you need to know is how the car is going to handle in the air and in when you're under tow or something like that. And just – I I feel like it was almost – she didn't. She just didn't get enough laps because they had to constantly go in and like fix stuff with the car some of the time.
1: Yeah, I think that was probably part of it. But nonetheless, I don't think you can blame Danica for her crash on Sunday because we had other drivers who are some of the best in the world, or at least in the sport of IndyCar racing, and certainly at the Indy 500, do the exact same thing. And so, you know, I just find it hard. I understand that, you know, she's had a problem with crashing, but honestly, my hope, and this is why I said I gave her zero chance to win the race, but my hope was that she could come out of it with the top 10, 12, figuring that that yeah. would have been a nice way for her to go out. Unfortunately, now, you know, she's going to be remembered for the the crashes. Yeah. Unfortunately. Well,
2: and here, you know, the other problem is not only is she going to be remembered for the crashes, but... Her post-race media was absolutely abysmal, Cisco. I'm sorry, it was awful. She didn't even make any attempt to really be overly respectful about it. She openly said she didn't even want to do it, and she was just standoffish. And I'm sorry, that's that's not what I would have hoped at all. I really was kind of it was a shame.
4: It really was. it makes me wonder because her next big media gig is she's going to be hosting the 2018 ESPYs.
1: Yeah, how ironic yeah, so,
4: that? Yeah. I'm, she's going I, to ESPN. Yeah, so we'll have to see what that's going to look like and what she does on that. But this didn't fill me with a whole lot of confidence for that. I know she can be personable. I know she can go out and do a great job. The question is, is she going to?
1: Well, and here's my two cents on that. I mean, everybody's quick to say how many young women she's influenced to come into racing. And I don't deny her that at no. all, because it's, it's undeniably true. It's just a fact. I mean, here's my point. Before Danica, there was Janet Guthrie. There was Lynn St. James. There was Patty Moise. There was Shauna Robinson. If you want to go to drag racing, there was Shirley Muldowney. You know, you've got all these women. And I, I go back to Janet Guthrie. Janet Guthrie inspired a lot of women too. She really did break ground and she was doing it in cars that were way harder to drive. She was doing it in far less equipment in NASCAR and at the 500. And these other women before Danica didn't have the social media and all of the easy access to the fan base that Danica has had. She's, she's been the first one in the modern era to have all this access. So when she acts like a little girl which is often unfortunately her reaction to negative circumstances is always to be negative or you know cry pretty much me 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 why me to me that's not a good influence so while she may have influenced a lot of young female racers to get into the sport i'm hoping they're not really drawing from her approach and her attitude at all times, because in many ways, Danica was very self-absorbed. She refused to sign autographs a number of times, like we just said in the post-race. Here it was, her final race. People wanted to talk to her, wanted to ask her questions. She was a big story. And Jacob, she had a great opportunity there to really go out with a touch of class. And I thought she basically swung and missed it
4: yeah cisco final thought i i i am just sitting here wondering what would have Pippa man done in the exact same scenario at that point because i feel like she might have done a better job to be honest of course she and she have. doesn't get the yeah. same sort of accolades that like danica has yeah,
2: yeah. exactly i agree we're, we're gonna step aside when we return we'll continue our indy 500 conversation we'll also talk About the Monaco Grand Prix, you're listening to Motorsports Madness. We're back after this on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network.
9: Okay, so Sarah, I'm dropping you off at Emily's? Yep. And Josh, you're going to?
1: Soccer, Dad. Soccer
5: practice. Right.
9: Oh, by the way, I just wanted to let you know when I pick you both up, I'll be wearing my short shorts. What? No! Yep and my dorky dad hat, and I'm going to do my dad dance for all your friends. They'll love it! Seriously? Why? Because I like my short shorts. Of course, I could be talked out of it if you guys would just buckle up your seatbelts without giving me a hard time.
6: It's important to get your kids to buckle up for safety, no matter what it takes. And sometimes, all it takes is your parental powers of persuasion.
5: Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled.
9: Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time. What, what? No! no!
3: Do what you have
6: to to make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road.
3: At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat?
7: Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
9: Hi, I'm Noah Grayson, and you're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network.
2: Welcome back to Motorsports Madness. You're listening to the show live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, and our special guest co-host, Ryan Vargas. We are talking open wheel and continuing to talk about the Indianapolis 500 right now. Cisco, on a scale of 1 to 10, I want you to grade the performance. Actually, we'll go all around the table. Cisco can start. Grade Alex Rossi's performance from 32nd to 4th. And he had a shot to win this
4: race. Uh, what kind of grading scale are you using? One, one to, to ten. ten. Or I thought I said that. Okay. And what's, what's the, whatever, whatever one off the top was. So eight, nine, I'll say nine. Nine. Okay. It would have been a ten if he had won the race, but. All right. So Cisco says nine. Tom?
1: 37.
2: <laughs> I mean, he
1: was the Indy 500. Yes. Honestly, that to me, his drive was the Indy 500. There was nobody passing more cars or really putting on a better show than Alex Rossi did.
5: I'm, I'm going to have to agree with Tom. Mine's, my number is about that. I'm going to one up you. I'm going to go 38. I mean, because that re- why not? Because why not? And I mean, and here's my opinion. I mean, I saw the Indy 500, and I'm I'm always been the biggest Indy 500 fan, and I've watched the Indy 500 for the past ten, nine, ten years now, as ever since growing up. <laughs> and for me, that was one of one of my least favorites that I've watched, but. If Alexander Rossi wasn't make, making those moves, that race, for me, would have been a complete dud.
1: Yeah, and and honestly, just be, to add to that, I think Alex Rossi was one restart away from winning the 500. Oh, no doubt about I, it. I think he would have blown everybody off if he'd had one more shot, but it just didn't happen. Well,
2: least... the other problem with that is there's no overtime rule in IndyCar. So... Well, I'm just
1: saying if it had fallen differently where maybe, right. you know, yeah. If he had one more restart, I think he probably at least gets alongside of willpower. It makes it real interesting because Rossi oh, just man. he just had more courage than anybody else in that race.
2: Yes, he did. Now on the flip side of the excitometer, how much of a bummer was it on a scale of one to ten for the hometown hero Ed Carpenter to win the pole and come within one spot of winning the
4: race, Cisco? Uh, I'm going to put a disclaimer in front of this from the fact that Ed Carpenter and I had gone to the same university and I was cheering for him the entire race and was <laughs> so, completely biased. I was going to say, so, so you're my, biased. Mine is yourself? about a
1: million at this point. <laughs> I'm going to say it was a five because honestly, I wanted to see Ed win because I think Ed, no offense to Will Power, I'm thrilled he won, but I think Ed would have been the story. What I'm saying is, He still finished second, which normally he's not even around at the end. So I give it only a five because I think Ed was probably really happy just to come as close as he did. And he has some good luck now to build on for next year.
5: Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Tom right there. I'm going to give it about a three. I wasn't I was not really too bummed as much as I did want to see Ed win. I mean, he got second. I mean, he and like, as Tom said, he's hardly ever there really in at the end of the race you i mean when i mean i can't really remember the last time i've heard ed Carpenter's name be brought up in the conversation of winning in in recent
1: memory anyways well so he always gets talked about he gets he's having about. a chance to win cuz he's always fast but yes. i was more bummed jacob that elio castroneves spun out oh, of yeah. the opportunity I to know. win than I was that Carpenter Agreed. got second. Cause... And then Tim Sindrick
2: made everybody's lives okay again because Cisco, he said, quote, he'll be back. Of course. Of course. If, you did not I mean, if, you,
4: if you're Roger, you're Tim, why why would you give up the opportunity to sit there and print money for the next five <laughs> yeah. years? I mean, that makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And if I'm going to get one more <laughs> quick note in uh, another heartbreaker for me, it wasn't just dad, but also Stefan Wilson. Oh my that gosh.
1: One yeah. yeah. Well, I knew we were going to have a great finish when we had Oriol Servian, Stefan Wilson and Jack uh, Harvey and Jack Harvey all on fuel runs and, you know, trying to do the fuel stretch. And boy, I mean, I would have loved to have seen Stefan win, but just think about this for a moment. Indy 500 champion. Oriole Servia. I mean, <laughs> you just, you'd you tear the place down for that. I also was disappointed that Kanan didn't get a shot to run for it either because, gosh, that was as close and as fast as A.J. Foyt's cars have been in a long time at Indy, and it was yeah. good to see both Kanan and Mateus Laced actually looked really good. And, okay, Jacob, just real quick, by the way, I will give it to you. I have to admire the job that Zach De DeMello did, he drove a really, really good race for the situation he was placed in. You've made a believer out of me. de DeMello actually, Cisco, has some ability here to draw from and, and the, the, will be a factor going down the road if somebody gives him a full-time ride.
4: But because I can be the devil on your shoulder, uh, he started 13th and finished 19th. So,
1: But he it's a big stage, and he yes. had every opportunity— to crash, and I didn't. also
2: think, Cisco, part of that was because he was another guy who ran fuel a little bit long late yeah, in the race, right. otherwise might have had a shot. Yeah.
4: He was on the Charlie Kimball—who else was on that? Wiccans,
2: yes, off w- Yeah, yeah. They, they were off-strategy. Well. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But you have to be at the Indy 500. You can't always do what everybody
4: else does, or you won't have a
1: shot. get what everybody else has got. That's right. And
4: and sometimes you have to go 34 laps on fuel and cross the line at, like, 60 miles an hour. But that's the (laughs) Indy
1: 500. Yep. Alex Rousey. Yeah,
4: exactly. Oh, by the way, Robert Wickens, as you
2: mentioned, Cisco, rookie of the race for the 2018 Indianapolis 500. Not that I'm overly surprised at that. I was going to say. Not at all. But.
1: It's still nice to see. What's up, Tom? Well, I was going to say, you know what the problem with that is? What? It accentuates the whole, and his teammate didn't qualify. I
9: know. know. I mean,
1: it's one of those where I'm glad he got the Rookie of the Race Award, but at the same time, it's like it just kind of makes you remember that Hinch didn't make it.
4: Can I can I point out though that we didn't see the Honda power play? We heard that Jay Howard's seat might be bought out. I nope. think this feels like the right move to me because Absolutely. I don't think it's oh, yeah. fair if you have a driver get their seat bought out from under them. Yes, I know Stefan Stefan did it for Alonso last
2: year. Well that's different. That was before they, that
5: that. Was yeah, yeah.
2: yeah that, that was before they even
1: started the month. This is different. And it's Fernando yeah. Alonso. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, exactly. You know, if I get a chance to get bought out by Fernando Alonso, I'm I'm taking the money. Not just because I can make some money and be guaranteed a seat in a you know, better car, whatever the deal later. It's because it's Fernando Alonso and you gotta respect that.
4: And the seat that was guaranteed to Stefan that he lost, look what he did with it. He started 20, exactly. he
1: finished 15th, and yep. he led
4: some of the race. Yep,
1: Come on. Exactly right.
2: Absolutely. He, and he was the last leader before Will Power took it all the way to the house. And I think that says a lot. And I do think you will see Stefan Wilson back at the Indy 500 with a vengeance so. in 2019. That's going to be a fun story to follow over the next 364 days. To Monaco for a couple of minutes and Cisco we can sum this up in two parts number one Daniel Ricciardo started from the pole and led every lap in Red Bull's 250th Grand Prix number two if you stop there you don't know the whole story because holy crap did that boy have to earn it with as you mentioned
4: a lot a lot a lot a lot a lot of less horsepower than everybody else so so if if you miss the race, which part of me, I, I caught the end of it because there's this whole sleep thing that's kind of nice to have. But <laughs> in, uh, the problem was that the MGUK failed. And if I'm not going to go into engineering speak, but the, the, the big text on that is 160 horsepower difference. You overheat the rear brakes. It's all just bad. So basically, Danny had to go out there and drive a perfect race at Monaco. A racetrack that is probably one, if not the hardest racetrack to drive a perfect race. And he did it. And for the second time on this show, I can once again exclaim, Daniel Ricciardo is the best racing driver in Formula One. Stop. And, End.
5: And not only that, I think that right there. <laughs> Folks, he dropped his mic. He dropped one. the I just mic. Want you to know that. Basically. I mean, and 100% <laughs> agree. I mean, that was a statement race from Ricciardo. Yeah. And I mean... I mean for me I'm kind of a new Formula One fan. My teammate Nick Sanchez over at Rev, he's the one who's kinda of, him and Ruben Ruben Garcia are both getting me into it and I've started watching it now. And to see what he did with that car, with how much he had to actually with I mean, like you said, he had to run a perfect race with that car. And he did that. And not only that, we got a good get we got to see a good shoey at the
1: end of it, at the end of it. Which we knew was coming. Look, here's yes. the deal. I, I picked Ricardo because I thought this would be his kind of an opportunity to go out and win. At no point could any of us have projected that he literally would win everything. He won practice. He won qualifying. He won the race, led every lap. Jacob, this was a career day for Daniel Ricciardo. And it kind of accents the fact that if Red Bull doesn't work hard enough, Daniel Ricardo may be somewhere else in the near future in Formula One because the fact that he can go and do that is going to make some teams take a more serious look at him, I think, in the future.
2: Yes, it is. But I'll tell you what, if that's the kind of performance that Red Bull Renault can put on again, Cisco... I'm not sure he goes anywhere, frankly. Yes. I mean, look at look at what we've done right now. We've had six races. Ricardo's won twice, Vettel's won twice, Hamilton's won twice, the drivers championship is actually really close. Um okay.
4: Pay the man. Pay whatever you need to to keep Daniel Ricardo at Aston Martin Red Bull Racing Renault, Tag Heuer, or whatever else you need to say <laughs>
1: at the end of <laughs> it. Well, I mean, I don't know, Red Bull. Considering that Jimmy Johnson himself basically let the rumor out that Red Bull is in the running or has expressed interest to sponsor Jimmy Johnson in NASCAR next year, Red Bull may need to save some pennies. <laughs> well, maybe. But hey, let's Could we keep have in the mind. Crossover? Hey, Could let's we have keep the in mind that Jimmy Dale Jr. <laughs> did
2: say that Daniel Ricciardo has an open invitation in one of his Xfinity cars for the
4: road course races. Who is that? dale jr really yeah
2: you didn't you know why
4: dan we we love to point that out why ricardo runs the three and it's great
1: because he runs it because Because of dale Dale senior wow i see i didn't even know that that's an interesting story (laughs) oh yeah how awesome would that be now here's i guess the question i want to discuss and get opinions on with this race again tale of you got two teams just You got Roush, you got, you know, two teams in Roush that are very different. Okay, go to Formula One now. Red Bull, Daniel Ricciardo, Max Verstappen. Oh, boy. I mean, Max just... Max keeps hitting things. Yeah, he's got a problem with bumping into things this year. He needs to quit. Not quit yep. racing, quit bumping into things. Daniel <laughs>
2: Ricardo is the absolute number one driver at Red Bull Racing right now, period, bar none. And if anybody thinks that they're going to uh, cater to Max at any point the rest of the year, yes, yeah, sorry, not now,
4: happening, Cisco.
5: Now drop your mic, <laughs> Cisco. Basically, yeah. the the problem
4: is Max is super, 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 super aggressive. He started twentieth and finished oh, ninth in an F one race. So he could go out there and drive the the everything out of the car, but the problem with doing that is you turn into Colin McRae, which is you don't lift for anything,
1: and that means a lot of wrecked race cars. Well, the the thing is, Monaco is really not symbolic. I mean, it's tough at Monaco to come from the back to the front, but if you, it's a microcosm of the way the whole season's been. Really, Max is just gotten like you said about six times super aggressive for some reason at a point in his career where i would think he'd be getting wiser he seems to instead be doing the opposite and regressing a little bit he needs to just calm down and let the car do more of the work he's trying to force things when they're not ready to happen and he's making mistakes he shouldn't be making i don't think it's that the team's not catering to him um It's really just that Max isn't getting the most out of the equipment because he keeps making mental mistakes. If he could stop beating himself, he might actually get some wins. Perhaps. We're going to step
2: aside. When we return, we're going to shift gears again and move to the dirt for a few minutes, bring in Steve Ovens, and hey, Tom, there was an Outlaws race Friday that we were at, right?
7: That's correct.
2: We're going to talk about that on the other side of this. You're listening to Motorsports Madness live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network.
3: For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ag Council.
0: Hide the kids. It's time to get dirty with the Race Chaser Online crew. Here's your host, Jacob Seelman, with Turn 5 Live's curator of Casa de Porkchop, Stephen Evans.
2: So, I promise we're going to get to Steve in just a second, but before we do that, Cisco has notified me that he wants to uh, rant before we completely get into the dirt conversation, and I would never deny Cisco a chance to rant because it's usually highly entertaining. So, let's have it. I just wish I had a boxing bell, Cisco,
4: so I could ding it. With Williams and the fact that Sergey is on that racing team at all, and there's something that's scaring me that was on motorsport.com this week, and it was that... McLaren talking and the discussion around their new business partner into the team, uh, uh, Mr. Latifi, and his son, Michael, who right now is Force India's backup driver, and the talk about maybe him getting a ride at McLaren F1 next year. McLaren, for the love of God, please do not do it. You do not need to put drivers in there who are... Literally there just because their parents own stakeholders in the company. Wait 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 wait, 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 S- Cisco, Cisco Cisco,
2: Cisco, 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 Cisco. Hang on, while I-, I gotta pinch myself because I feel like I just walked into the twilight zone or a really bad dream. Are you actually being <laughs> serious right now? Yes, I'm being
4: dead serious. <gasps> this, this, I read this, and this, I please, McLaren. Do not do – if you do this, you may as well kiss goodbye to Fernando Alonso because he's going to take one look at that and say, screw you guys, I'm leaving. I don't need to be a part of this. Ah! Dear McLaren, sealant Stroll.
1: <laughs> Signed, everyone.
2: Well, okay, Sisko, you, uh, you feel better now?
4: No, because this is still a possibility. <laughs> I don't want it to be. I won't be happy until they say – McLaren said, no, we haven't discussed this. That means they haven't discussed it. That means they haven't said no. All right. Fair enough.
2: (laughs) On that note, hi,
8: Steve. (laughs) Poor Cisco's britches are in a proverbial wad. Follow that one, (laughs) Steve-o. Yeah, it's about that. Um, Not even going to try. No, no, I wouldn't if I were you.
2: Outlaws? Let's talk Outlaws, shall we, Steve-O? And I want to start with the race that uh, Tom and I were at Friday night, which was, well, awesome up
8: until lap 24 because,
2: dang it, Donnie!
8: Yeah, Donnie Schatz gets another one on the field uh, at the dirt track. Uh, But, you know, Jacob, I think that there was a little bit more to that race because you're absolutely right. Up until that point where Shots gets the lead and it's, you know, goodbye from there. It was a pretty entertaining race. There was a lot of good racing within the top five all throughout that one.
2: There was, Tom. I got to admit, this was a good, 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 good race. And the moment of the race for me was three wide for third. Sheldon Shield, Brad Sweet, Logan Shuhart. Almost banging wheels. They didn't. They
1: kept going. That was awesome. Okay. Can I start like this? Jacob, who did Donny shots pass for the win? Shane Stewart. Dear Shane, Donnie didn't beat you. You beat yourself. All Wait. you have to do is go to the bottom. Okay, Steve. Because you
2: and I, at the end of the day, know how this really, really works with the outlaws and the dirt. Sometimes it's a disadvantage. Explain this for those in our audience who might not understand this. Sometimes it really is a disadvantage to be the leader on a track that's taking rubber. Why?
8: Well, it's tricky because the line is going to change. And until somebody comes up and shows a nose and shows you where that line is, that's going to be fast. I mean, it's the hardest thing in the world to be in the lead in a dirt track race. And if you polled uh, drivers in any dirt track pit area, I think fans would be shocked to know how many drivers would actually prefer to be running second and chasing down the leader. I mean, yes, everybody would love to be the leader, but... When a track is going through the changes that the dirt track in Charlotte went through, you have, to, you have to change your line, and you have to find something. I mean, Donnie Schatz essentially found something that was working for him. And Shane when Stewart, you're
2: the leader, as Shane was, Steve, I think the point here is you're hesitant to go away from what's working for you at that moment.
8: Oh, absolutely. And that's the thing, you know, Shane can only do what has gotten him either to the lead or has allowed him to keep the lead up to that point. And, and, you know, a lot of times when you're the leader in that situation, you're a sitting duck because, you know, you're just continuing to do the thing. I mean, sometimes you will see a leader play around with their line and sometimes that gets them in trouble, Uh, You know, trying to search for what that good line is going to be in the second half of the race. And a lot of times guys can can psych themselves right out of a win.
1: We've seen Shane Stewart do this many times. Well, (laughs) this is my point, though. Shane Stewart has lost races about every which way you can lose them. And I'm sorry, I've watched dirt track races since I was five or six years old. I know exactly what you're what you're saying here. And I will give you the point, Steve, that it can be difficult as the leader. The leader's always a sitting duck in any race situation, to be honest, because even with traffic, the leader has to make the first hole. The guys behind him can follow him through it. But it this was a clear-cut case of Shane Stewart marrying himself to one line on a racetrack and you just watched shots get closer and closer and closer. And Shane himself said, I should have gone to the bottom. It's like, no kidding. The shortest way around the track is on the bottom. Unless you really believe the bottom is not going to work for you, I would be go- I would be running the bottom and making somebody show me a wheel up top. Because at least then I can go up there and block them. When you're running the top... And and then somebody shows you a wheel on the bottom, Steve, you're going nowhere. You're done. And and I think I think that was as much about Shane Stewart being in a situation where he he just got too uh, married to, to where he was and one shots got the lead. There was nothing anyone was going to do. Donnie was definitely the faster car, but that's all the more reason why you got to make him take the longest way around you.
8: Well. I agree to a point with that, Tom, in that, you know, I think Donnie did have the better car there the other night, but here's the other side to that. If Shane goes low and Donnie just rips around the outside of him, we're sitting here having the same conversation
1: saying, gee, Shane, why'd you go to the bottom? You should have stayed up top. Well, you may be, but I wouldn't. I mean, at this point, it was, you never give the bottom to anybody in any racing situation ever, as far as I'm concerned. I, I think... People make way too much out of the idea that, well, the top is faster or the top is this or that. It's like, look, the shortest way around the track. And when you got you got to know that at some point, (laughs) chomp, chomp. okay at some point, Donnie Schatz is going to eat you alive if you give him the bottom to do it with. And I think what we saw the other night was the reason why Donnie Schatz is so successful. It's because he knows how to work a racetrack. He knows how to find the right line. And that's the difference to me right now between Donnie Schatz and Shane Stewart. That's why Donnie's won so many more races, Jacob, than Shane Stewart has. It's because Donnie knows how to read a racetrack. And I think some of these guys are a little lost when it comes to that. Oh, by
2: the way, Steve, if we want to make this a little bit more impressive, can we remind ourselves that the 15 team was down to just two of their regular crew members yep. and had to call in reinforcements from SHR down the street, and they still beat everybody? <laughs>
8: I, are we really going to use that as an argument tonight? No, because I mean, I'm not. We, I think it's silly. Yeah, I mean, because come on, pit it's stops don't a Squat. Y- you give me the fifteen team, Donnie shots, and two hobos off the street. Yeah, we'll exactly. go win a damn ring. Yeah. We're going to win the championship. I mean, come on now. Yeah, but <laughs> I,
2: Steve, I just think that it's amazing that in spite of the fact that they're without their leader, Ricky, War- you know, Ricky Warner has been gone for part of this. He's the glue that has been, the 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 stitching glue, whatever you want to call it, that's held this team together and made it go for yes. the better part of a decade or more now. He's had to be out some this season, and yet the 15 team is off to one of the best starts to the to a season that they have ever had this was supposed to be the year when when they started losing regular crew members this was supposed to be the year that this team was human that they could be beat we thought we were seeing it in the first seven or eight races and then they dug in they dug their heels into the ground boom done goodbye
8: no absolutely and i and i think that ricky's leadership You know, I think that that's just proven the other night that how great of a job he's done, because even on a night when he can't be there himself, they are still a well-oiled machine that can go out there and win races. So, you know, I I think that that is just as much a, a compliment to all the work that he's put in and his leadership of this squad that they could go out and do that over the weekend. It also says something for a guy like Tony Stewart that has, you know, resources that are adaptable to different situations when you can take somebody from Stewart Haas Racing and bring them over and and essentially, you know, essentially fill a gap. Even though Ricky's not there, I mean, they, they did a great job with that the other night. And, you know, we're talking about this, you know, leader and and whether you want to be in that situation or not and and how well donnie adapted to the changing cr- track conditions boy the same could be said for Lawrence lawrenceburg couldn't it jacob but yet donnie is in the other role and brad sweet is the guy that came out on top
2: uh-huh. Uh-huh. and you know what i give brad sweet some serious chops for that because brad just eight on that track, and he had won there before in a midget, Steve. Never in a World of Outlaws sprint car, though. And to do what he did Monday night, that was textbook. That was Brad Sweet beating Donnie the way Donnie has beat so many other drivers over the course of their careers.
8: And and I think this win at Lawrenceburg is huge for Casey Kane racing, and I'll tell you why. I think that not only did Brad Sweet outdrive Donnie shots the other night, I think that Casey Kane Racing essentially outperformed the field in setting up their race car because, you know, the other night at Lawrenceburg, there was a cushion of all cushions on a track oh gosh, where, yeah, where slide jobs were a plenty. Um, they set up a car for Brad Sweet to be able to bounce off that cushion, and essentially, it didn't seem to ever upset his car where some other guys, namely Sheldon (laughs) Odenshield, bounced off the cushion and went on his lid. So as much as I'm going to give credit to Brad Sweet, I'm going to give credit to his team as well, because their car could handle the cushion like nobody else could the other night. And he had to bang off that cushion several times to get the win. Oh, by the way. Who was it at the start of this year
2: that Sheldon uh, that said Sheldon was going to be win or bust in this situation, just like he was in his previous situation? And Steve, um, where is Sheldon Hodden Shield in points right now? Seventh, exactly where he was a year ago this time.
8: Yeah, well, runs like the other night at Lawrenceburg are, are not going to help that situation any for sure. But, you, you know, I think Sheldon is at a place right now where he is just— He's got the best equipment he's ever had uh, wheeling a sprint car. And and they're going to have, you know, right now they've had a kind of season, Jacob, where they've been checkers or wreckers. And and unfortunately, you Tom, you can't be checkers or wreckers and, and contend for titles. And he's got wins. But in terms of, you know, contending for titles, you can't follow up wins with. Uh, finishes outside of the top 15 or top 20
1: he took himself out of the race at Charlotte too. same kind of thing you can't beat yourself and Sheldon Howdenschild should be in contention right now for the championship and I would argue that for the number of times he's been on his lid or in some kind of a wreck this year if you could have subtract half and made them top three or top four finishes it's a totally different situation He has the team to compete with Donnie Schatz for a championship. He has the talent to compete with Donnie Schatz for a championship. I believe that Sheldon Shield is the next great thing in World of Outlaws sprint car racing. But right now, what Sheldon Shield is, is a driver, much like we see with Max in F1, who doesn't know where the turn it down button is. As soon as he figures out how not to beat himself, you will start seeing Sheldon Shield winning a lot more races and being a lot more consistent, and he'll contend for a championship. I've been a little disappointed in Sheldon this year for the number of times that he's just taken himself out of races for no good reason.
2: I'm not denying, and Tom, I think if you remember back to February, I never denied that the team and the resources would be there, but I didn't think that Sheldon would contend this year because of exactly what we're Well, I expected
1: Sheldon, and I think somebody needs to get a hold of him and remind him he's not in his own car anymore. He doesn't have to force things. He's got a team and a car to go in the race. Just race the car. Something like that. Hey, Steve, by the way,
2: while I'm thinking about it, going back to Friday for a minute, third place last lap pass of the Monday night winner Brad Sweet for a spot on the podium and Stevo Logan Schuhart's Shark Racing 1S car it looks fantastic why because it has corporate backing now how cool is it not just priority aviation Richard and Jennifer Marshall but to see a company with as much renown as Drydeen Performance Lubricants jump on board in a big way, on that car. This team, this is my bold statement for the night. This team has turned a corner. Logan told me before Friday night's race, we don't want to be underdogs anymore. And I think they're on the way to actually proving that
8: statement true. I agree. I thought, I, here's my thing with, with the with the Shark Racing team. I With this backing that they have now, I expected a few more wins early in the season this year and, and we haven't gotten that from them yet, but I will I will put a big butt in there and also say that, you know, his run on Friday night is is just showing how big a difference this this backing is to that team. And and part of it too, Jacob, you know, he has always, you know, traditionally he has run well at the dirt track at Charlotte. A lot of his, you know, breakout runs before getting his first Outlaws win, a lot of those big runs came at the dirt track at Charlotte. So, you know, that's a great track for him. They're in the best place they've ever been as a race team. And a lot of that is because of the support that they're getting now. You know, they are finally proving, you know, they're finally seeing the dividends of all of that time investment And, you know, essentially, Bobby Allen sticking his neck out there and saying, look, boys, we're going World of Outlaws racing. We're going to stick it out. It's going to be rough. We're going to have to, you know, start some races knowing that we're not going to finish them so that we can keep this hauler moving down the road. They've gone through a lot of bumps in the road, but they are finally now seeing the end product. And, And I still... As much as I'm positive about them, Jacob, we still haven't seen the best from Logan Shuhart yet. And to me, not only as a media uh, representative, but as a fan, that's pretty exciting.
2: It is. And you know, Ryan, to draw a NASCAR comparison in a way, this to me, this whole story for Shark Racing, it's almost exactly what Furniture Row did in the Cup Series. They started out small, gritting it out, doing what they had to do just to survive. Now they're here. They're not necessarily
5: in championship contention yet, but they're in contention to win races. No doubt about it. I mean, I was there. I was fortunate enough actually really to get in. (laughs) Thanks to Donald Hogg from SMI, he got me into the pits. But, I mean, being there at my first World of Outlaws race, I really got introduced to the whole atmosphere and the competitive nature that was world of outlaw sprint wing sprint car racing and what logan's team i spent some time with logan's team i was there with my with my buddy will rogers he's with dry and so we were all kind of with them and when he got out of the car for that third place finish when that team came out to the front straightway to greet him for that third place finish it was like they won and i don't know much about him or his family i didn't like i'm 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 still fairly new to this as well but when I when you see that emotion, it shows how much that they've worked for that, and how much they oh, want yes. to win. Yeah, and they and I have no doubt with with how with that momentum that they're taking with them from Charlotte, I have no doubt we'll see Logan start getting some wins here this year.
1: Well, here's the thing, Jacob. The comparison you made I think is so apt because this is a team that's just really putting one piece in place at a time. They're, they've done the best they can with what they have. Now you bring in. Driving, and you've got a little bit of corporate backing. We don't know, obviously, the extent of that, but it certainly is going to help. Every penny helps.
7: Mm-hmm. So
1: you put yourself in a situation. I felt like from the start when they announced they were going to run full time in the Outlaws Tour, I felt from the start like Shuhart was a driver who had a chance to be really, really good. And I think we start to see that going forward more consistently than maybe we have in the past.
2: Steve, just to drive the point home, that other corporate backing that Tom references is the company that is owned by the co-owner of Stenhouse Jr. Marshall Racing. This is
8: sizable support. The first sizable support they've seen. No, absolutely. Uh, They have... And I, I... It's amazing just how far they have come and how long they have lasted on the tour without any major backing. They have done the best job they could by kind of piecemealing this whole thing together uh, up to this, up until the 2018 season. Uh, They've got a lot of loyal backers from the central Pennsylvania area, and they've also picked up some, you know, smaller sponsors that have helped get them along right. the road when they've made the trips out Midwest, out on the, the West coast swing. Um, and they've mentioned those uh, quite a few times if you follow them on social, but it's um, that's, that's what's gotten them to this point to 2018. And, and now they're, like I said, they're just, they're finally, they're in the best place they have been since they went out on tour And there are more wins coming, and and I think there could be quite a few, uh, especially when we get into some of Logan's best tracks in the middle of the season here.
2: Yeah. Hey, Steve, speaking of being in the best place that they've been since they went out on tour, can I apply that to another driver who we've talked about on this show a lot who almost won a big block modified race, uh yeah yeah yeah. max versus stewart friesen for a hundred laps at weedsport sign me up if you've not seen the highlights from this race what is wrong with you he was
8: that close guys that close that close he was up to the back bumper he Um, was side by side a a couple times Side by side a couple times, he's got a few lap cars that he's got refavors to turn to at some point during the season on, on the Super Dirt Car Series. But uh, besides that, I mean, and, and you know, we talked to <laughs> the same theory that we talked about with the sprint cars absolutely applies to last night. Stuart Friesen ran the outside lane to perfection uh, right off the drop of the green flag to get the lead last night at Weedsport. And he had to search around using the low line, Tom, to, to figure out what is going to be the best way for me oh. to get through lap traffic uh, during this race. And, and had he not done that, Max McLaughlin would have blown by him on the inside line and would have won that race at Weedsport last night. The difference in the race last night was Friesen changing his line whether he was doing it to see if it was the faster line or once Max got a wheel up on him trying to shut down Max's lane, either could have been true. But that's what was, that was the difference last night. Max had a fast car, and, it, and I truly believe that Max was faster than Friesen. He just couldn't get to the preferred line before Stewart did, and Stewart worked through lap traffic like a veteran. And you know, Max McLaughlin is going to win a race. I know I've said that all season last year, and he, he almost did several times. But I'm saying it again, He is going to win a race this year and come nap all Parts apart super dirt week. I'm going to be crying tears of sadness when when we don't see Max McLaughlin full time, on tour in twenty nineteen.
2: I know. Now I want to add to this real quick before we go to break, Steve. The other big thing for Stuart Friesen and all of this, the race he won was a Napa Auto Parts Super Dirt Week qualifier race. He has a guaranteed starting spot in the big show at Oswego.
8: Yeah, but I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm selling this whole guaranteed starting spot. Who cares? I mean honestly The guys that are going to win Super Dirt Car Series races, you know, 85 percent of the guys that are going to win those spots this year are going to probably lock into the top six spots anyway. So to me, this whole guaranteed starting spot is 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 kind of a crock. I don't buy into that. It doesn't matter. These guys are going to qualify in the show. They take 45 cars to start the 200. <laughs> yeah. If you can't qualify into the top 45, then we've got problems. So this whole, they didn't need to do these guaranteed spots. Because honestly, if if you're a longtime fan like myself, Tom, you're saying, who cares?
1: Well, see, they've been doing this for decades, though. I mean, I, I in the 70s. And when I was a kid at Oswego, they had guaranteed starting spots for the Budweiser Modified 200 in the Classic. Now, the idea of the guaranteed spots in the Classic is you had the adamant tracks where we don't necessarily draw a huge field of cars from. So you get somebody from that track who comes in and can, okay. But in the Modifieds, it was like, okay, Jeb Bodine wins a guaranteed starting spot from Oswego to be in the Bud Mod 200. like. Like he's not going to qualify. So I do agree with you in general. Most of the drivers that win these guaranteed spots of these races are drivers that are going to be in the race anyway. It's just kind of now they can use them in the promotion for the pre-race saying, guaranteed a spot in the show. But here's one
8: more thing. And, and Jacob, I want to make this point, though. As much as I don't really care about the guaranteed spot, for somebody like Stuart Friesen, this could be a big deal. You know, because think about it, he's also got his, his Camping World Truck Series schedule. Mm-hmm. He runs all of the short track Super Series races. And when we get to Nap Auto Parts Super Dirt Week, if there are any conflicts of his schedule and he can't run uh, time trials at Oswego or he can't run the Triple Twenties. To get into the 200, exactly. Then the guaranteed starting spot is is something that will exactly. pay off. Well, fair him. enough.
2: That and it, that's exactly the point that I made to somebody, as a matter of fact, this morning, Steve. That's why this is such a big deal for somebody like Stewart because he has a lot of commitments on his plate this year that make this very valuable to him and the halmar team so we appreciate your time as always glad you could be around for a little bit we're going to step aside when we return we'll go back to the nascar set and hear from the winner of the coca-cola 600 because he was a little excited you're listening to the madness live on spreaker and the performance motorsports network we'll be right back
8: Driver
2: Matt Hirschman, you're listening to Motorsports Madness on the Performance Motorsports Network. We are back here on PMN and also live on Spreaker, Jacob Seelman alongside Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, and Ryan Vargas. As we roll through about another 25 minutes or so of racing conversation and going to circle back to the NASCAR side of things for a few minutes. And before we talk about Kyle Busch again, this just in, also known as Breaking News, Christopher Bell and JGR have incurred the wrath of NASCAR. This is where, Tom, you're supposed to ask why.
1: Well, okay, why? But I already know because I saw it earlier.
2: Yeah, well, it didn't come out until, I guess, just as we were going on air, and then it didn't yes. hit at least my Twitter notifications until halfway through the show. So, height! Height, height, height. Ride height, to be specific. And, well, the fact that the 20 car in the Xfinity series did not conform to those particular rules. Therefore, Jason Ratcliffe gets a one-week vacation, a $10,000 fine, and they lose 10 driver and owner points. In other news, Martin Truex had one unsecure lug nut. Ten, that's a $10,000 fine for Cole Pern. Yeah, okay, fine. Great, whatever. Uh, this, though, from the Xfinity Series, BJ McLeod Motorsports, the number eight car, and Tommy Joe Martins had two dose lug nuts unsecured in post-race inspection. That's a $10,000 fine on a one-race vacation for crew chief Keith Wolf. Tom. So... Well, lug nuts sometimes are not good, but, you know, we knew this was coming because they announced after the race that the 20 was uh, outside of the height tolerances, but it's still not good, and it still takes away some of the positive momentum that that team had going into Pocono. Also, Christopher Bell doesn't like the package we're running this weekend. (laughs) (laughs)
1: well (laughs) i you know i don't think uh anybody really cares what chris bell thinks about the package it's going to be probably a better race uh cisco but uh i'm just wondering why nascar hasn't fined charlotte motor speedway yet they've they've got a uh, they've got a loose had a loose lug nut for a mascot for a number of years now I just wanted to know in
4: what parallel universe did Christopher Bell turn into Johnny Sauter and Matt Crafton this week?
1: Oh, I don't like the package. Oh. Yeah, really? Well, I mean, here's the deal. It's going to happen whether he wants it to or not. I don't know that Chris has logged enough time in the Xfinity series to be able to have a valid opinion on what package you should or shouldn't run. And let's just see how it goes at Pocono. Um no race car driver wants to go slower than they have to, but it is about fans after all. Cisco,
2: do you think we're going to see one minute laps at Pocono this weekend? <laughs> <No. laughs>
4: the race isn't going to be over until like next week sometime. Well, it is a road course. basically. End? Uh, well, Imagine if they have to... I mean, caution, laps at Pocono don't take forever anyway. We don't need to elongate the race anymore. The,
2: we, the reason that I say that, though, is because we're already running 50-second laps in the Cup Series, and we're slowing the Xfinity cars down. So I think we'll be lucky if we're under a minute, I would think, Tom. Well, I
1: don't know about that. I mean, we didn't run minute laps at Indy last year, did we? It's the same size track. Well... That's true, but keep in mind
2: uh, that well, Indy, you can substantially build your speed a little bit better than at Pocono. Pocono is a naturally slower track than Indy is.
1: See, I don't think, I. you know, my deal with that is I don't think it necessarily means we're going to see a lot slower speeds, but I, I think if it does what they hope that it does, We're just going to see much better racing and it's going to make it hard for one driver to come in and dominate the race rather than to have the typical situation, Cisco, where, you know, again, you have one guy that comes in and cleans house on these bigger tracks, especially if the cup guys are running in it because they out experience the guys that are the Xfinity regulars like Chris Bell. If we're gonna make the lap
4: times this long, though, we may as well just run the road course and turn Pocono into the Nurburgring esque track it's <laughs> supposed to be. I guess yeah. I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, maybe maybe we'll put that into the playoffs next year for the Xfinity Series. Pocono Road Course. Yeah, oh, Why not
2: Hey, Ryan Vargas. While we got a couple of minutes, you're racing Memphis yes. this coming weekend. That is a fun racetrack. track. How excited are you to get? To the uh, you're already smiling before I'm even done with the question. You're pumped, aren't you?
5: Oh yeah! I mean, I feel I'm. I'm really excited to get back behind the wheel. Really, just to get redemption after South Boston. That was a tough, tough weekend for really the entire Rev Racing team. I mean, we all wrecked in the same wreck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the entire Rev Racing team was That's in the wreck at South happen. Boston. So, and then all the cars showed speed. And especially last year at uh, Memphis, Chase, Chase, my teammate, he showed speed there and I think he got second. Ruben also showed speed until he had a issue. So the cars, the rev racing cars are fast at Memphis, so it kind of just comes down to me how quick I can adapt to that track because I've never been on a track that big of a size and I know there's going to be tracks this year that are going to be bigger, <laughs> so yeah. I got to get used to that. Um, but I'm really excited. I feel, I feel a lot more confident when I head to bigger tracks than I do the shorter ones, so heading into Memphis I feel pretty good I I feel that I my prep for this week has been a little bit more than I have in the past just because I want to be able to prove to myself that I can bring
1: home a better finish than I have been and I feel like we'll be we'll be pretty strong We know you can't practice on iRacing cuz Memphis doesn't no. exist on there so maybe Richmond
5: they're <laughs> kind of close Yeah they look similar I mean I I I once I knew it wasn't on iRacing I just kind of Went to the went to the YouTubes and the internet and just kind of watched way to do it. Watched a ton of video, even some old nationwide races from there, just yeah. to get a little bit of extra knowledge as to what the track, the trends of the place. And I mean, it looks like an absolutely phenomenal race and I can't wait. I believe
1: that Memphis was the home of Bill Elliott's last uh, Bush slash Nationwide, whatever it was at the time. I think it was Bush Series still. Probably. Bush Series start. I don't know. I'll look it up during the happen.
2: break. So before we go to break also, by the way, can we circle to Kyle Busch for a second? Ryan Vargas, on a scale of 1 to 10, how surprised were you, number one, that there were more cheers than boos after Kyle won the 600? Number two, 1 to 10, how surprised were you at
5: his enthusiasm in victory lane? Okay, for the cheers after the race, I was very, very surprised because you guys should have heard driver intros. My lord. They there was there was so many booze, <laughs> there was a lot of booze, but um, my surprise level was very high for that. I guess you could say it was probably about an eight. Uh, um, but however, I am, I guess you could say I'm a, I'm surprised, but I'm also not by his enthusiasm in victory lane. One, it's his now he has a win at every plate track. I mean not plate track, every cup track. we're talking about restricted plates at every track now, I'm getting all in my head. But he has a win at every cup track now. On every active cup track. At least until, well, at, least until the, at least until the least until the I'm but, sorry.
1: That's no come on. It's <laughs> still Charlotte. It's a different track.
5: It is. Um but anyways. I mean, and also that, but, I mean, he's just been on an absolute roll. Besides Kevin Harvick, Kyle Bush is the other dominator this year. And, I mean, am I surprised to see the enthusiasm? No. But is it funny to look at when you consider how, I guess you could say, the mid to early 2000s were, were sometimes for Kyle Bush? Yeah. If you were one of those fans, you're looking at today like, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the- now,
2: let's stand by and – for anybody who goes, wait, he, Kyle was excited? Yes, he was excited. I have a button, and you're going to hear how excited he was right now. This
9: one's very special. Uh, I don't think there's anything that can top Homestead, just with the meaning of what the championship is. But um, the Coke 600, I've dreamt of this race since I was a kid and, and being able to win this race. And always watching the, uh, the All-Star race and then the 600 the following weekend. And being able to come out here and, uh, and now win uh, the Coca-Cola 600 is just uh, phenomenal. It's a little boy's dreams come true. And, uh, man, I just want to say that uh, I thank NASCAR, for one, for giving me a chance to come out here and have this opportunity to race for my dreams and um, to, to accomplish those things. And I don't know if it's ever been done before, but the first one to check off all the tracks and, uh, and get it all done. I don't want to go to any new ones. So um, that would just have to start the whole process over. But holy moly. I uh, can't say enough about M&M's. Um, love the red, white, and blue scheme and what it means. All of our heroes, whether they're fighting for us right now or whether they're fallen heroes, certainly want to give a remembrance to uh, Eric Toth, who's with us and who was riding on our car tonight, and his family who were with us here this weekend. So that's very, very special. Appreciate NASCAR, NASCAR doing that with uh, NASCAR Salute to Troops. And, of course, can't say enough about m um, and red, white, and blue, interstate batteries. This Toyota Camry was awesome tonight. Adam Stevens and all my guys are just uh, phenomenal to work with, and uh, it's so much fun right now. And this Noss Energy drink is going to keep us rolling for a long time tonight, that's for sure. Uh, I also want to thank Cessna and Ream and um, DVX Eyewear, of course the fans, the fans for coming out here and supporting us all through all this. And, uh, man, Black Clover, DVX sunglasses. I, I don't know who else I'm forgetting. I'm sorry, but this is, uh, man, this is so huge. Come here, buddy.
4: Yeah. We won. We won.
9: So Kyle was a
2: little bit happy, Tom. Just just a wee bit.
1: Yeah, he was a little bit happy. It's it's very interesting. Ryan talked about the mid to late two thousands, the difference of the crowd reaction. Shoot, all you had to do was look at social media last weekend at the crowd's reaction <laughs> to uh the Kyle's well, lack of enthusiasm and you start to see a tale of two different results and yeah it was obviously something Kyle has been chasing for a while so a few demons gone now he's wanted every active track and he can put the 600 into his pocket as well and move forward chasing another championship
2: absolutely we're going to take our final break when we return the lightning round before we wrap this show up you're listening to Motorsports Madness live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network Hi, I'm Cole Custer, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. It is time for the lightning round, and I think, Cisco, did you tell me earlier that you have a subject that you want to see. We have a
4: new segment! We have a new segment because I'm introducing it tonight and it is Uh when I went on the internet I laughed at blank. Uh Uh-oh. So this is going to be a new edition because I'm going to try and get it into every show we can. So for this week when I went on the internet I laughed at all the people who were on Twitter sending all the windshield pictures to Jeff Gluck and Bob Pachris after they made the mistake of people sending them, of tweeting, please don't send me any, any window pictures, alluding to the wacky windows that we've been seeing in the Cup Series, and basically everyone on Twitter at that point just taking a picture of whatever random window is near them and sending that to them.
1: Wah, wah, <laughs> <laughs> wah. Okay. I got one. Okay. When I went on the internet, I laughed at the venerable... Well, who else would it be? There's only two funny people on Twitter that are funny all the time. NASCAR chasm and the orange cone. This was a chasm one. And it was Eddie Cheever making the comment that, and again, pay attention to wording here because wording matters. When the tires fall off, that's when the cars slow down. And chasm in all his infinite wisdom responds with when the tires fall off you either really have a bad crash or if you're in the pitch you don't go anywhere because you need tires i mean can, can i just ask myself the question am i glad that abc's done with the indy 500 coverage and answer yes Thank you, Jesus, because now we can go to NBC and hopefully get rid of Eddie Cheever, who I think adds absolute zero to any broadcast.
4: One more. more. Go ahead, Cisco. We
1: have Detroit.
4: We have Detroit. After
1: that. Well, I'm just talking about the Indy 500. Detroit's whatever, but yeah, I agree. And we get Lee Diffie. Yes. Oh, please. Uh, Bring in Lee Diffie, and let's still have Alan Bastwick. involved.
5: Yes, please. That'd be the best combo. Anyways. My, I went on the internet and laughed at all of the activities that my buddy, Elijah Burke, got to do at Charlotte Motor Speedway and Richmond Raceway. If you don't know who Elijah Burke is, he's my buddy. He was the kid who blew up on the internet. I shouldn't even say kid. He's older than me. He graduated college, and he gave the interview like it was a NAS, post-race NASCAR oh, yeah. victory lane yeah. interview. This car, yeah. And he had his, I think it was his sister or something, switching his hats and his hat, like it was a victory lane thing, and it was amazing. Yeah, that was classic. Charlotte and Charlotte, Richmond, and I think Chip Ganasky Racing had him at the tracks doing separate jobs. I know, like, for Chip, he had he was moving tires for them. He went to the Fanatics camp uh, booth at Charlotte selling hats and oh, stuff. that's funny. I mean, they had him doing everything, and it was so funny. And it was really funny to me because – we always joke how, like, because of NASCAR next thing, how much clout I get. <laughs> well, now Elijah's just kind of blown us all out of the water yeah. <laughs> on that one. So. But it was very clever what he did. It was. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Jacob? It was clever. Did you see
1: anything funny on the internet?
2: Actually, yes, I did. Okay. Earlier today, as a matter of fact. When I went on the internet, I laughed at Chris Harrison, who, uh, disclaimer, is the host of ABC's Bachelor Bachelorette series, complaining, whining about the ABC Indianapolis affiliate preempting coverage of, I think it was The Bachelorette, for the night after Indy 500 Winners Banquet, which has been broadcast on ABC in Indianapolis for eons. And what I laughed at was the fact that all the Hoosier faithful, Cisco, you can attest to this, absolutely destroyed him. It was great.
4: And they they lit them up and what was hilarious was actually yesterday we were having advertisements for all the Bachelor Bachelorette stuff because there's a new season ad on ABC yesterday on on uh, on ABC Seven oh, which is the over-loaded. Chicago affiliate here and I was like they're not gonna no they wouldn't and sure enough they they didn't and as a result well there you go and just so you know that those shows they can be rerun they've been taped already. Live banquets can't. Just say it. Correct.
2: I just love that the IndyCar fan base just absolutely came out. Oh, he got destroyed. He
4: messed messed with racing fans on Twitter, which you don't do. No, you don't do that. Anyway. Don't do that.
2: Tom, do you have a lightning round subject? Well,
1: I just wanted to talk about fire. Can we talk about fire for a quick minute? We got about four, so yes. Well, yeah, because Zach Veach got really, or his team got really, really fired up for the Indy 500 (laughs) and lit his car on fire twice, not once, but twice during pit stops. You know that you're having a bad day, Cisco, when your team sets fire to your race car and sends you out of the pits with flames coming off the back of your car, not once, but twice. And from what it sounded like, the broadcasters
4: were saying that there was someone in the way of the guy, Jacob, who sprays the water on the car to, like, wash away all the fuel. But it just looked like the the fuel... Disposally, I don't know what it's called. What the giant nozzle that you plug into the car is, the I don't know what probe. that's called. But the fuel probe. nonetheless, it wasn't. I don't think it was working properly. No, I don't think it was working properly
2: either. But hey, it all worked out, and Zach finished the race. He and... did
1: two laps down, though, unfortunately. But he did finish the race.
2: Yeah, but he also wasn't the only Andretti car that struggled during that race well, either. That's true. So it's okay. Gosh, Vargas, any thoughts here? Do you have anything that you want to inject in the lightning round?
5: Hmm.
2: I made him think. Oh I boy. know. You guys are
5: making me think now. Come on, now. <laughs> I'm here if to you, have if fun. you want to do media, media. Not I'm, not I'm here to have fun. I'm kidding. Uh, all right. Lightning round. Would you rather have – would you prefer to have the all-star package at every mile and a half or see NASCAR do a complete overhaul
1: on the race cars? Ooh. Option B, please. Yes, I agree. I would much rather see him fix the cars, but until they fix the cars, I I would—I think—I wanted it all the mile and a halfs. But I think there's still some research to be done, Cisco. They already have it. They tested it. It's called the X3
4: prototype. Just put it into production already, NASCAR. You know, we know you have it in like that same warehouse where the Ark of the Covenant is. Just dig it out and use (laughs) that.
1: <laughs> that may be the first time that the arc of the cover that has ever been mentioned on either Spreaker or the Performance Motorsports Network. Thank you, Cisco Scaramouza.
2: <laughs> yes, and wow, <laughs> wow. I, I almost hate to follow that with what I uh, need to follow this with, but as we get set to close the show, all of us at. Motorsports Madness, uh, our sister show, the Stock Car Show, and everybody on the Performance Motorsports Network. I think I speak for all of us when we want to extend our thoughts and prayers to the Andretti family and particularly to John Andretti, who announced on Twitter earlier today uh, his six-month scans came back. His cancer has returned and unfortunately has spread. Uh, He is looking into options for treatment. Tom, I'm just going to say it. Cancer
6: sucks.
1: Yeah, cancer sucks, that's for sure. And, you know, I I got to meet John at a banquet several years ago that he came to as guest speaker, and he was just the most genuine person and is the most genuine person. So he's beat it once. He's a very strong man. I believe that he can beat it again, and I'm just praying uh, for strength and wisdom and discernment For him and for his doctors as they decide on treatment. You're right. Cancer sucks. Get better soon, John.
8: We are
2: going to end the show here. We actually are basically out of time, so we're going to throw a checkered flag. Thank Ryan Vargas for coming on as a guest co host tonight. Thank you. Nice job, Ray. Thank you, guys thank Bob Steele, Sue Mason, and all the folks at PMN for what they do to make this show possible for Tom Baker and Cisco Scaramuza, as well as Steve Evans and the rest of our cast of characters. I'm Jacob Seelman. Keep it off the wall, and we might just see you at the racetrack somewhere, folks, Till we meet again.
0: You've been listening to Motorsports Madness with the Race Chaser Online crew. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. Motorsports Madness is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network, www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section in the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-hosts, and guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the madness returns on Monday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, keep it off the wall and keep the shiny side up.